Please open your Bibles to John chapter 11 and please stand. Thank you for your giving today. God richly bless you. From the 11th chapter of John, beginning with verse 19. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. You may be seated. Today being the 42nd anniversary of being the pastor of this great church, I was toying with the idea of bringing a special anniversary message. But God had put this word in my heart about the resurrection. And two weeks ago today, I preached the first part of this message. And today I want to continue. And the theme that I want to share with you this morning is the dead shall live again. The dead shall live again. I remember hearing an amusing story about a man who was somewhat inebriated and he walking through a cemetery at night and he fell into an open grave that had been dug preparation for a burial the next day. He tried his best, but in his condition, he just couldn't get out of that hole. And so he just sat down over in a corner and waited for daylight. Pretty soon, another man who also was inebriated came through the cemetery and fell into the same open hole not knowing there was anyone else there, but he began immediately to scratch and claw and try to get out. From over in the corner, the voice said, Hey, buddy, you can't get out of here. I've already tried. But he did. <laughs> A lot of people have morbid thoughts about death. And we went over that two weeks ago today, so I won't retrace those steps. But I want to talk to you about the dead shall live again. Mary and Martha were upset. They really were out of sorts. They were sorrowing and weeping. Their brother had died, Lazarus. Jesus was their friend. He often stayed at their home with Lazarus and Mary and Martha when he was in the vicinity. So he was a frequent guest in the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. He could have prevented the death had he been there. He'd healed a lot of people, opened blind eyes, unstopped deaf ears, healed lepers, walked on water, stopped the storm from raging. He was a miracle worker. Where was he when they needed him? Why didn't Jesus come and prevent the death of Lazarus? 
Mary and Martha were asking themselves the question, where was he? It was almost as if they were blaming him. It's the enemy that causes us to get angry with God, to get upset with God. David Wilkerson wrote a book, I'm Not Mad at God. Oftentimes, we don't understand disappointments. We don't understand backsets. We don't understand difficulties and suffering and pain. We certainly don't understand death. And so, like Mary and Martha, we begin to ask questions. We have a lot of questions. And then we come to our own conclusions. And most of the time, our conclusion may not be correct. Martha said to him, if thou hast been here, Lazarus would not have died. My brother had not died. In verse 21, down further than we read in our text in verse 32, Mary repeated the very same words. Mary said, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. It had been four days, four days since he died. Jesus waited two days to even start in the direction to come back to where they were. He had ministry going on when he received the messengers and he knew that Lazarus was seriously ill. Now, both Mary and Martha seemed to be at least, to put it mildly, upset with Jesus. Why didn't you come? He was your friend. You have power. You, have could, you could have prevented this. By the way, think of all the times that we've shown you hospitality. You've stayed in our home. You've eaten our food. We've done a lot of good things. Where were you, Jesus, when we needed you? We've always been there for you. And sometimes in the midst of our hurt and pain and sufferings, our thoughts turn inwardly and we begin to think what God owes us and why he hasn't changed circumstances around us. Jesus, your friend is gone. It's too late. You showed up too late. The funeral was four days ago. It was at this occasion, the shortest verse in the Bible is recorded in verse 35. Jesus wept. He was moved to see his friends hurting so. He just brushed right past the anger, the hurt, the disappointment, and he wept. And then he said, thy brother shall rise again. The words that came out of his mouth, startling. He gave them hope. He offered hope. He gave reassurance. In the midst of the worst moment of your life, if you'll listen, there's a still small voice that is bringing hope, that tells you tomorrow is going to be better. God is going to show up on the scene. He's never left the scene, but he's going to reveal his power to you and help you through your circumstances. He promised them more than their theology understood. In their theology, they knew there was a future resurrection. In their theology, 
They had no hope whatsoever that after four days in the grave, Lazarus was coming out and coming back home again. So they had a theological problem. The truth of the future resurrection got in the way of the present miracle that was about to happen. Sometimes we put so much distance between us and heaven that we forget we can have a little bit of heaven on earth. We know that we're going to rise from the dead. We know that we're going to have a new body. And so we just put it out of our mind, the possibility of receiving a divine healing, receiving a miracle, something happening to bring us through our distress. They had their theology right, but it was in the way of their miracle. Jesus is God all the time, right now. In the midst of your circumstances, Jesus is God. He knows what you're going through. He understands your problems. And he's able to do things that we have not even thought possible taking place right now. He has a solution to your problems. The present day problem that you're confronted with. You're working so hard trying to solve it. You haven't even given time to pray about it. I mean, you've been looking to counselors, you've been asking advice of friends, or you do ask for prayer because that's the thing to do. You get your name on the prayer list. You figure it will help alleviate some of the pain in your heart. But we wonder if there's really going to be a miraculous answer and recovery. You must not cloud your opportunity for a miracle with your theology. Some of our theology gets in the way of the miracle happening today. Don't let it get in the way, such as your hurt, your pain, your medical diagnosis, your questions, the doubt, the fear, the unbelief, the theological conclusions that we come to. Let's not let them get in the way of our miracle today. Jesus is passing this way today. We used to sing that a lot. Jesus is passing this way, this way today. Jesus is passing this way, is passing this way today. He's in this room right now. He understands exactly where you are and what's going on in your life. Like the blind man by the wayside, discouraged by the disciples and others around, cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me. It's not because you have a lot of faith. It's not because you deserve a miracle. It's not because you've earned some brownie points. But because he is a God of mercy. He is a God of grace, a God of goodness, of kindness, of love, of benevolence. So cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Martha knew her theology. She knew it well. And she said, I know that he shall rise again at the last day. But you see, that got in the way of Lazarus coming out of that tomb that day. I know he shall rise again at the last day. We know when we get to heaven, we'll have a new body. We know that we'll have plenty. There won't be an 
any need, any financial problems. There won't be any problems that we can't find to resolve in the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven is going to be wonderful. I want to talk to you about the resurrection of the last day. Martha and Mary knew their theology. I want you to know there is a resurrection at the last day. So I promise to preach about the resurrection. Get ready. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 through 23. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits. He's the firstfruits, but there's other fruit. Of them that slept, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. When the Lord comes, when the rapture takes place, the dead in Christ are going to rise. The living saints will be translated. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 52 and 53, the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves. Whoa. When Jesus was resurrected, many bodies arose, came out of the graves, after his resurrection went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Jesus is the first fruits. These people that were resurrected on the day of his resurrection came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the city and appeared unto many. He's the first fruits. Now I don't know what happened to all those people. I believe the son of the widow of Nain and Lazarus, when they were resurrected from the dead and anyone else, I believe they were resurrected with mortal bodies and had a normal life and then had a normal death and will be involved in the next resurrection. But I don't know about these that were resurrected that day, how long they'd been dead. Many of them, the graves were open, they came out. I believe that possibly they were included among the number when Christ moved paradise from beneath the earth, when he led captivity captive and ascended back to heaven and moved paradise from beneath the earth, moved it up to heaven. And now then when dead people die, they go to be with Jesus. Their soul and their spirit goes to be with Christ. The dead in Christ shall rise. The Bible declares that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. We've preached many sermons from that. But may I repeat it this morning. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with the Lord with these words. Now, the dead in Christ shall rise at the coming of the Lord for the rapture. The living saints will be translated. They'll meet together in the clouds and see Jesus and go to be with him in heaven. And then that's comforting. He says, comfort one another with these words. That's at the time of the rapture. The living will be translated. Jesus promised his disciples. He taught it through the three years he was with them that he would be dead and he would rise again on the third day. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 19, he said the third day he shall rise again. Matthew 27, verse 63, the chief priests and the Pharisees told Pilate that deceiver said after three days I will rise again. The chief priests and the Pharisees remembered what the disciples failed to remember while Christ was in the tomb. 
Even the chief priests and the Pharisees remembered that Jesus said, on the third day, I will rise again. Are we going to allow the world to have more faith in the resurrection than we do? Mark chapter 8, verse 31, the Son of Man must be killed, and after three days will rise again. In the 18th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, beginning with verse 31, we read these words. He took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered to the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on, and they shall scourge him, and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of those things. They understood None of those things. I am afraid, in spite of all the teaching that has been given on the resurrection, people fail to grasp with faith the reality of the future resurrection. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. Let us remember that the word of God is true. There is a resurrection from the dead. The dead are going to rise at the rapture, and the living will be translated. Since even his disciples did not understand, it's no surprise that Mary and Martha couldn't relate to what Christ was telling them about the present miracle that was about to happen. God understands your doubts. He did not chastise Mary and Martha. He did not chide them because of their lack of understanding. So he may even have shed those tears because they were still in the dark. I don't know why. The rabbi was in their home many times. Do you think he failed to tell them? He knew that what was coming, Lazarus, he knew everything. And so he knew that he'd have to raise Lazarus from the dead. I believe he prepared them. I believe he shared with them. Believe in the resurrection. God can raise the dead just like he did the widow's son just like he's going to do in the future. But the rabbi had failed to get them to remember this promise of God that he's the resurrection and the life. I'm going to, in the teaching on the resurrection, tell you something about the resurrection that is very, very important. Death had an impossible assignment, an impossible mission, and it's recorded in the Bible, in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Beginning with verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as did yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Didn't take God by surprise. God allowed the people to crucify Christ. It was the determinate foreknowledge of God that permitted this. You have taken him by wicked hands have crucified him. It may be wicked hands that caused you to lose your job. It may be wicked hands that brought the pain and suffering in your life. Molestation as a child, child abuse, rejection, hurt and pain, mockery, people failing to even give you the time of day. Wicked hands accomplished the crucifixion that God, by his foreknowledge, permitted to take place. 
God was not absent when you were being abused as a child. But God is present today to heal you from the memories of yesterday. And God is present today to give you a bright future where you will not be a victim, but you will be in victory. And the rest of your life can be lived helping other people get through the problems that you've already been through. Maybe it was a very bad divorce, a very ugly scene. Maybe it was an attempt at suicide. Maybe it was being locked behind prison bars. I could have some people run down here to this altar and testify to you that you can overcome a prison sentence. You can get out and live a productive life. I can have some people rush down here and tell you that though you've been addicted to drugs and alcohol, you can be set free and live a victorious, meaningful life. We've got a lot of them in this church. This church is filled with drug addicts and alcoholics people that's been delivered from it <laughs> and I'm sure we have some that need it need that deliverance whom God hath raised up remember who it is God hath raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it it is not possible that death can keep its prey it is not possible that they could keep him in the tomb. It is not possible that the enemy can keep you in an, imprisoned in the present despair that you find yourself in. God's planned better things for you. God allows some things to happen in life. He doesn't stop them. He could. God could prevent the child abuse. You say, well, what kind of God is he when he looks on and doesn't do anything? He's the God that didn't show up to keep Lazarus from dying. He's a God that gave Lazarus back his life. I don't understand why he didn't come and heal Lazarus before, but God has his own reasons. I know one thing, pedophiles and people who harm children don't have the blessing of God on their life. It's wicked hands. It's wicked hands that do the damage. It's not divine hands. You need to remember where the pain comes from. Blame it on the source of wickedness. Blame it on the society that makes it easy for people who are involved in criminal activity to get out and do it again and again and again. Blame it on the fact that we don't allow God in the classroom. Blame it on the fact that we've ruled out prayer. Don't blame God. It's by wicked hands the pain was inflicted. Your enemies can only go as far as God will allow them to go. If God wants your life to be spared, then he can spare it. I don't understand why the teenager lost her life in the school last week. I don't understand Columbine, but I do understand the testimony that came out of Columbine. And I do understand the recovery that is afforded family members that had to deal with the death of seven children and then the heart attack death of a grandfather, I do understand the grace of God that is available when the hurt and pain has gone way beyond anything that we could ever imagine. It hasn't been that bad for you. So why the self-pity? Why is it today that you're a victim? What is it today that has you worried? Is it because there's not enough money to pay the bills? At least you're living and breathing and have relatively good health. 
Verse 24, God raised him up. Whom God raised up. God is about to raise up some people in this room today. I believe that. God's about to raise up some people. People who've been raped. People who've been through abortion. People who've attempted suicide. I've gotten way off track. From sinking sand, he lifted me. With tender hand, he lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light, oh, praise his name, he lifted me. God is about to lift up some people. God raised Lazarus, and he said to the people there at the tomb that day. There were mourners there. There are mourners who come to share your grief. They don't build your faith. They share your, your grief. They don't point you to the man who's the resurrection and the life. They don't point you to hope and faith. They just feel sorry for you. They sympathize. They empathize with you. And they shed tears for you. But that day, Jesus said, Lazarus! Come forth. And out of that tomb, after four days of being in the grave, Lazarus popped out, still bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. <laughs> That's where we as the church come in, when the dead are raised. They may still smell like death, but let's take off those garments of death. Let's loose them. Let them go, free from the reputation of being a drug addict or a, a pusher free from being a prostitute, free from being a prisoner, but now free to live a new life, raised in the newness of life in Christ Jesus. Two weeks, last Sunday morning, Gary preached a great message on hope. We probably sold more than 100 tapes of that message. In this service, for the very first time in her life, a lady came and then she emailed Pastor Gary on Monday. And I ask his permission to share part of it. The night before your message, I was praying and writing in my journal to the Lord and basically begged him to deliver me from the fear of abandonment and depression or just let me drop dead of a heart attack. I was for the first time in my walk with the Lord considering suicide. Although I am scared to do it, the thought was there. I have never felt so hopeless in my life. As soon as you opened your mouth on Sunday and read the first scripture, the tears started to flow. Tears that I haven't been able to cry for a long time. They poured the entire message. I just want to thank you for reminding me that God will restore and has restored my hope and that this season is coming to an end. I thank you for the obedience to the Lord in bringing that message forward yesterday. It was really my lifeline back to the Lord when I thought that he could not be found. The heavens have been closed, or so I thought, for well over a year. But yesterday, they were reopened. I thank God that he knows just how much we can handle, and he knows what to do to work things out in our lives. That precious lady found peace and hope. One week ago this morning, I believe God is about to resurrect some people. 
life is going to flow where death is ruled and reigned. And you're going to come out of it. As Kay's song gave us a message of hope in the resurrection this morning. And as the choir and the praise team were singing about the resurrection life, I want us to believe in the power of God to raise the dead now. I want you to come out of your grave, come out of your sickness, come out of your despair, come out of your despondency, come out of your depression. I want you to come alive. I want you to rise up. He said, Lazarus, come forth. I'm calling on you this morning in your despair to come forth. Come out of that tomb. We'll help you get the grave clothes off. We'll help you get free. But you've got to come out of there. Don't stay in that darkness. Come out to where there's life and where people will hear your testimony. Please bow your head. In this room, there are a lot of people that need a miracle right now. And I don't know what all's going on, but I do know one thing. God has not failed you. He never has. And he's not going to fail you. And I know there's hope. So I'm going to pray for everyone. And I want you to hold on right now. I want you to visualize the miracle that you need more than anything in all this world. The miracle you've got to have. It's about to take place. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that all over this campus, even those listening on the parking lot, and the speakers we have out there, and wherever people are, under the balcony, in the balcony, on the lower level, down front, wherever, I'm asking you to look right down deep in their heart and see the despair and the problems. Show them the solution. Show them the reality. We're unworthy to even ask for these miracles. We're like Mary and Martha. Our theology is not adequate for this moment. The miracle is too big. It's too great even for our faith. But it's not too great for you. You understand where we're coming from. You know how weak we are. You wept at that scene. And maybe there's a tear even now when you see the despondency and the hopelessness. But today I want you to turn it, turn it around for people. I want them to leave out of here believing that tomorrow is going to be the beginning of the rest of their life. A better day, a new day. Hope's going to arise. Defeat the devil. Wicked hands have put people where they are now. Wicked circumstances. A wicked world that we live in. We don't blame you. We know the angels of God have seen to it that we made it here to hear their sermon today. And so we thank you for your faith in us to believe that we can come out of our despair. While we have our heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you there are some situations in your life that you really need God to perform a miracle? Just raise your hand wherever you are, all over the building, a sea of hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can let them down. How many will lift your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not saved or I'm backslidden and I want to get back to God. Please pray for me. Raise your hand. Wherever you are, just slip it up and down. Raise it up in the balcony, on the lower level, back under the balcony. Just slip it up. I saw you. Father, 
wherever these people are in life, whatever's going on, I pray that you'll forgive their sin, blot out their transgression, forgive them, let them come to this moment of realization that you're the Savior. We confess our sins, we repent of our sins, and ask your forgiveness. We receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed in your heart for Jesus to come in your life, I want you to do another thing before you leave. I want you to come down front. Some of our workers will be down here. I have a little book I want to place in your hand. And I want to give you something that will help you get started on your way for the rest of your life. God bless you. Please stand. And while they sing, I just want us to acknowledge the presence of the Lord before we leave. If you were unsaved or backslidden, you need to pray with someone before you leave. Walk right down to the front. Thank you.